for those that are listening today, I'm here in Rushford, Minnesota. The Lord has been doing a great work among the Amish community, and we visited here maybe about three, four weeks back, and I was deeply encouraged to hear about, about what the Lord was doing, and many leaving the cult of the Amish life and, and coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so today I have here with me a gentleman I've, I've recently met. His name's Joe, and he's going to share with us about what God's been doing. And so, Joe, welcome. Yeah, I'm, my name's Joe Slaybaugh. I've been born and raised Amish. So, Joe, tell us a bit about, first and foremost, I know a lot of people are going to be listening that don't, they don't, they don't know very much. They may have heard a lot about the Amish life, but they don't understand what it is. Mm-hmm. And so share, share with us what, 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 what is it to be Amish and, and what was life like? Well, Amish growing up, that was, uh, you know, the only thing we knew, except, you know, we always worked with the outside people, which would be English. But uh, being Amish, it was, you know, you go through, start in first grade, there's no kindergarten, you start first grade and you go to eighth, which everybody basically passed all the time. It was good grades and stuff, and the work ethic was big. I mean, there was work, work all day, but which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's good, I think. But then when we get out of school, we go to either work on the farm or go to do construction. But we couldn't, probably 20 years ago, you couldn't go with doing construction because of the age. It's a little too young yet. But right now, they do it all the time. Same thing with women couldn't work out to go help with stuff, other people, because of, you know, just the woman thing with the Bible. But now they are working for other people. So, yeah, it's, uh, I guess we didn't know any different. We grew up like that. and But as you get into your teen years, for me, it was alcohol involved a lot because my dad drank a lot. And... I think I had my first taste of when I was six years old, uh, found some of my dad's. But as the teen years progressed, I drank a lot. And when I turned 18, that's the year where most Amish people have to get baptized. If you don't do it when you're 17 or 18, you get looked at pretty bad if you let it go till you're 19 or 20. So I did it like kind of like everybody else did in my age group. Got baptized where they would do it in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and they put a little bit, a few drops of water on your head. Okay. And was that believed to be needed for salvation, or what was their belief regarding baptism at 18? Yeah, they, they would do that, So you, but you're making an oath between the church rules and God right there. That's still to this day, the thing that they hold the hardest against you is you made an oath on your bent knee against the church and God to hold fast to these rules that you just committed to. And we didn't at the time. It's like this whole thing wasn't really explained because the Bible up until this point is we're just living on some hopes. They will believe in, we believe that you know, Jesus was crucified and rose again, and but we wouldn't want to put our full trust in it. We okay. believe that uh, 
there's always stuff you can improve with works. You can always do better. And I didn't, I thought, you know, that's the way to go. Just do what the preachers tell you. But everybody from the day I remember being a member of the church, which was 20, 21 or 22 years ago, everybody broke the rules here and there. So you just, every all the time you would confess in front of the church for everything you did. And uh, if the preachers got together and were okay with it, you would walk free or confess your stuff. But there's certain certain items where you would, let's say you drove a car or a truck, that's, that's worth getting kicked out for a month or two. They'd give you a month or two time in order to make sure you don't do it again before they let you back in. Or if you uh, did get caught in between there, you'd just get extended on and on. But So what, what does it mean to be kicked out and then let back in? Well, let's say they, they uh, catch you doing some one of these things that were forbidden in their rules. So give, give them a li- what are the list of the rules? Well, the rules are, that's a long one. They only say it twice a year in the church. We have a, it's called an ordnung church, which means, uh, in English, it would mean the rules. We will have, they would have a church where the preachers will be the, the bishop is going to be the one listing off the rules that we have to live by. And that's going to be how to keep your bucky, how to keep your boy, the men and the women, how they have to dress how white everything has to be on your clothes, how white your hat brim has to be. It's it's a huge list. Anyways, it goes from the buggy, horse, even the harnesses on your buggy. You know, if you had brass hardware, it's okay, but stainless, that was not going to pass. So they have this huge list, and everybody would, I don't know, did they just do it on purpose, or you did it because you... Wanted to get away with something, I guess, because it's so many. It's like you cannot uh, just follow that many rules and live the life you're supposed to, I guess. But every time we would get caught with one or the other, then the people within the church would would get after each other about it and say, "Well, there's a we can we got to be a little more shrewd about it to get away with it," which that happens a lot still today. Yeah, it's quite a challenge now looking back, seeing I got nine brothers left in there and uh, seeing how it's still, I go out there once in a while just to visit, but they are, they shunned me too, you know, I couldn't eat at the same table as they do, but just meeting them and realizing the work that they're doing yet just reminds me of where I was. It's so... Work-related, I guess you could say. Uh, if we mess up with one thing here on the farm, we can do another thing to make that right, which is far from the truth. You can't. We can't do nothing to make it right. Right, which which becomes the heart of salvation. Yeah, man, yeah. man himself. If if man himself could do right to gain favor of God, there'd be no need for Jesus Christ right. to die. Yeah. Um, I find it interesting, though, as you talk about uh, the list of rules. So you'd have this huge list, and then I'd read it twice a year. Yep. Was it posted somewhere so you could look uh-uh. at it, reference o- it? Only the bishop will have that, and nobody's allowed to see it except him because they will change that. 
that's one of the reasons where well, I was in this church, me and my wife and the kids, for 20 years, and we just floated along, you know. I was drinking very heavy because I always got company from the preachers, and that's not because I drank, but it didn't help, but I would use that for an excuse. But anyways, this came to the point where a few times I, I tried to get help, you know, myself from AA meetings and went down to Missouri to a counselor and he actually okayed me. He said the few scripture pieces that I took to that guy in Missouri and told him how the preachers are using that to weaponize me, he said there's nothing nothing biblical about it. So that kind of sparked me a little bit to like open the Bible because we were, as kids, we were told you can read the Bible too much. You You will get deceived if you get into it too much. And uh, that makes me now believe that there's a reason why the Amish preachers see every every Sunday, there's church every two weeks, and every Sunday throughout the year, every sermon is the same. So you could only have, uh, everyone is planned beforehand. They got the book where they go by. We only will do them sermons and read this part of scripture. So it's like a lot of it's getting left out. And the uh, Probably the biggest thing I, I would say I see under the Amish is uh, understanding it. It, gets, it all gets preached in German. And as a kid, we would just sit on the church benches and hear this in German, and we didn't know what it means. But as soon as my wife was the first one that ever got an English Bible, when we moved to our new place, there was one in the house, and I wasn't very sure about having her reading that because we are not allowed to have an English Bible. But I never took it away from her. So what, what Bible did you have? Before? Yeah, like, well, you, you mentioned earlier, it caught, caught my attention. You said they believed if they read the Bible too much, it would deceive them. Yeah, that's the German. It's the same as, I've laid it next to the one I use now. It's the same as your King James, I would say, but it's just written in German. And we don't speak the German language even like that. It's like Pennsylvania Dutch or something. Sure. But that that I would say is probably one of the biggest parts that are that is deceiving him because it's the understanding. When I first came to Root River and heard a preacher preach in English the same sermon that we had in Amish, but I just didn't know what it meant. It's like this whole thing makes sense now, except the salvation part. We can't I guess my biggest turning point for salvation was I would have I would have known it. I seen seen the scripture, I heard it, but we don't believe it because we weren't weird. You're not supposed to believe it. You're just gonna run on hope here. So, so let me make sure I'm understanding correctly. So twice a year, now the bishop holds the, the golden rules or whatever yep, rules right. they are, mm-hmm. and they're revealed twice a year. Yep. And there were things that had to do with buggies and dress. Oh yeah. So it really wasn't necessarily things that pertain to scripture, uh-uh. but rather rather a type of uh, the, the way in which you had to live. Right. And it was believed that this way you live made you closer to God or gained oh, yeah. his favor? That would be in his favor. I'm guessing they would use that as the hope that they have versus uh, doing, the, doing some of the works. We can do all these works would get us closer to heaven because me growing up, I got told from my own parents that 
basically when the Amish, yes, if the Amish go group gets smaller, that's when the end of the world's going to come because that's his chosen people. And I always, always couldn't believe it that there wouldn't be like English people that I knew there's English people all over way more than Amish, but that all changed when I, when he revealed himself to me, you know. So share share with us that. So so I'm picturing you. You're you're growing up. You don't know any different. You're you're mm-hmm. getting accustomed to this lifestyle, and there's these mandates of how to live to receive favor. And and even in this, there's doesn't sound like you had certainty. It's for performance based. You must do well, mm-hmm. and then just hope somehow God will will bless or grant yep. His favor upon you. But when when is the moment when you realized the disconnect between the the truth of God's word? And what events took place that began to make you realize Christ is the truth, the way, and the life? Well, when we went to Missouri, we were having issues with church a lot. I mean, it got to the point where they would show up, you know, sometimes twice a week. And one of them was with smoking. We weren't supposed to. We could smoke a cigar, but we couldn't smoke the little cigars. And this was at the time that I was going to this consular in Missouri. And kind of starting to lean towards, you know, maybe I should look into the Bible myself, not just follow somebody. But the preachers were there and in my shop. I guess a year before that, I wanted to do online auctions. The guy that I worked for did online auctions, and I always helped them. So I asked the preachers if I can do them at my shop. And they voted under the church to see if it's okay, and they were okay. And one of the church members even went as far to say as he will be okay with it if you guys promise to not go after me again because they've been known to do it. And they were okay with it. But a year later, they came and told me I can't do the auctions there anymore because it would involve a laptop computer being in my shop, the the owner, you know. Anyways, I... uh I told them I'm not gonna, I'm gonna hold true to what you guys said a year earlier. Because then I was noticing just a different kind of change, what I would like be convicted of, sort of. It was, uh, something opened up in my mind where it was, it didn't make sense to me anymore after I got into the Word of God a little bit. Why are we, Ten years earlier, something was not shunnable. You wouldn't shun, or to now, ten years difference, something that you can shun them for, now we'll let the people do it. That happens all the time. They will just step up. And I just remember so plainly, it's like God spoke to me and said, my word never changes. This is changing, but my word never changes. But anyways, we went on about this these cigars, how they wanted to get me out of the having these auctions here. I remember playing the bishop, my dad, and one of the preachers were sitting there, and they were like, uh, they're pretty sure if I would, I would at the same time I was smoking them little cigars that you we were not allowed to, and they're like, if. Uh, they're pretty sure the church would be okay with it if I would put away the online auctions, not do that anymore. They would probably let me go with smoking the cigars. 
and that just hit me like a ton of bricks. We can't justify one thing for the other anymore. You know, it, it happens so often in the Amish where you can do one thing, you can fix one works with another works is the best way I can say it. So I gave up on that. I told them I'm not going to do that. And most of the time they would kick somebody out after a month. But being my dad was a preacher, they allowed us, we didn't go to church, but they allowed us to the opportunity a whole year. A whole year we were not going to church and they kept trying to get us to come in. And during all this time, we were reading the Bible. And is it is it right or is it not? Just kind of puzzled. So this Bible you had, is is it, where'd you get it? This was at the An place. English one, yeah. right? It was at the house and my wife was reading it. And that's permitted? Huh? That was permitted? Uh-uh. She okay. was not supposed to even. So you had to sneak out somewhere yeah. at night and take well, off. Well, she could the... read it. She read it with me there, but being seen by a preacher, or somebody was no. They would have kicked the Bible out, or, or because English Bibles are supposed to be done in a way. So did you with. buy that when you were in town? The English Bible. Yeah. No, that one was actually at the house when we moved there. Okay, so you found it in the house, right? Okay. And my wife started reading this, and I, at first I was like, I should probably okay. hide that. Okay, so so the Lord established all this. This yeah. is really interesting. So yeah. the, Okay, I'm with you. And then, and, but she kept reading it all the way, you know, and then we talked here and there about it, about this church thing, and I was still drinking heavy because it was, nothing was working. And the preachers were coming, and I I knew for a fact that I would never... I went to AA for a three-year period there off and on. You know, I'd quit drinking for two months at a time, and the desire was so heavy, I knew that I would, even if I quit drinking, these AA guys always told me that you will probably have that desire the rest of your life, but we just got to uh, find the higher power, whatever it may be. It didn't matter what I called my higher power, and that always stumbled me. What What do you mean, higher power? Anyways, I quit AA again. It's like there's something missing, something missing. But uh, this one day, I was I was just out for a few days drinking, and I woke up in the morning and drinking till noon. I think it was. I was drunk, and I I remember I got in. I was in my shop. I had done it a few times before, but I got down on my knees and I just begged the Lord. I'm like, I'm. I'm done. I'm not even going to go to work anymore. We need a way out of here. I need I need some kind of uh, direction because I couldn't believe that my family was still staying there with me. My wife had already previous couple of years left one week just to get away from everything, you know. But I got on my knees and I asked him for just just a direction. I we gotta there's something's gotta give. I'm not gonna go to work until I hear from you. And I was at home for two days and my friend Emmon that was in the Amish church had left five years ago and after them two days he texts me just out of the blue, asked me how it's going and I said so so. And then he uh, mentioned, come down to River here. He thinks we would like it. And I told him, well, my wife's probably not going to. But I don't think I told him that I'm going to try it or not. But 
right at that moment, I was like, church is probably the last thing because I all the time dreaded going to church, you know, in the Amish church. So let me let me just interrupt here. So Root River is is an English church. Yep. Uh, just for those listening. And, and so you said you had a friend coming here. Mm-hmm. Did, did he leave Amish life? Yep. He used to be in the same district as I did. Okay. So he had prior left, and then he now he was inviting you to, to the fellowship here. Yep. And uh, anyways, I talked to my wife about it, see if she wants to come with me. She said no. So I convinced her to let me bring a couple of the kids with, so younger kids. And, you know, we were dressed Amish when we came here and stuff, but... I came down here. I think that was the first, yeah, the first time just before Christmas. So what? What year was this? How long? Two ago? years ago. And uh, I guess the first thing that hit me when I opened the doors here was I couldn't believe it that all the people would talk together and stuff. I mean, the fellowship was just overwhelming because in the Amish church it was a lot of times you know one group over here and one over here and it's. A lot of darts getting thrown. So they didn't like each other. Right. And, uh, but I, I, it took me a while to grasp that, uh, how these people are all, they all talk to each other like there's nothing to worry about, you know. And then later on, I found, well, yeah, if you're safe, you probably ain't worried about much. But then her hearing Mike preach, how he preached a couple sermons about how plain and real this is, I told Berna, you're going to have to come down here for yourself. You're going to have to just come see it. and Not your wife. Yep. And after a few times we came down here, it was actually Ammon and Sevilla, they helped. We didn't have no wheels to get down here, so they helped bring us down usually, and that's how we got involved in it. And Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing, but I guess... What I, it really woke me up was in the past when I was drinking, you know, I had a snowmobile accident that basically broke my neck. I got a steel plate in my neck. The doctor said I shouldn't even be there because my brother that left the Amish drove me in just like that, like sitting in the seat. And when I started thinking back on some of them things, it's like he was always there at one point one place or the other, all the drinking I did, all the bad stuff I did. All right, let me ask you this. I'm a bit confused. So so these things were taking place when you were living in, in the Amish lifestyle. Right. Drinking is permitted? Well, it's not really permitted. That's what you did. But, okay. Right. Okay. And then the snowmobile, snowmobile, that was... That was just random. I mean, doing it with a friend. I, it wasn't my snowmobile. So you had an English friend? I got a lot of English friends that... A lot of them still do a lot of drinking, like all basically all my brothers. And that's permitted. The the friend, the English friends. Yeah, you can have English friends as okay. long as you're you're not supposed to drink, but they do. But when when that hit me was after Emmon texted me, and I said that I'm not going to go to work anymore until I hear from you. My answer out of that really didn't hit me until like a week or two after that. All of a sudden, I was like, well, where's this desire? I I knew I would live with it the rest of my life, but it literally went into thin air. Till this day, I'm, I'll am i never quit thanking him for that. It's, and the Lord took it. Yeah, it's. I, I guess if there's one thing I'd ever want to ask him, that would be it. 
when somebody's got a desire that bad that you'd wake up in the morning and that would be the thing you'd take to get your shivers down, you'd need a drink. Because I was there a few times. I have no idea how you would... I guess it just blows my mind that there's that much... Well, it's the touch. It's the yeah. touch of the living God. Mm-hmm. And people still, you know, won't believe me, even family and stuff. I know they ask around saying how I'm doing and and all that, but I guess I right away when I got I I thought I got to go tell everybody what happened and that this is this is all wrong. We got to we got to go direct, have our personal relationship with Jesus is the way this works. But I ran up against the wall going into a religion like that to say that it, it takes... What did they say to you? Well, they would say, like, you're you're already deceived, basically. They would... There's some of them that will come up, and if they want to talk, I guess I would have to look at it. That's the way I... The way I got started is I wasn't satisfied where I was at. I needed to know know into it more for myself. And the Amish, I want to say, is based on, no, the preachers, the bishops got the key, and we'll just follow. I always thought, yeah, that's the way, you know, anybody that goes astray from that is lost. So there's this point where where you began to recognize truth versus lie. Through the church here, it sounds like it was a place that, that was, was very healthy and, and a place in which you, you met you met Jesus Christ. Right. When you went back and you said, well, we went back with, with Christ, with Jesus, and you said we hit a wall, what, what happened at this point? Well, uh, they would, you mean as far as talking to like my brothers or your, my family? Your family, or, the, yeah. the life you used to live. They would uh, either change subject or even one of my older sisters, I talked with them for the first time on the road. I was have my truck and... It was actually my dad passed away last September, and he was sick, and they were coming up to visit him. So I stopped right there on the road, and I asked him, and we got talking a little bit about this uh, as far as not uh, doing anything by the works. You know, yeah, we need to do good things, but do Christ's will is what I said. But it got as soon as I started opening up about the, you know, real Talking about Jesus face to face, you know, that's always been hit. You could just go up to a certain point. He literally right there told me, you know, you guys can still come visit us, but we're just going to have to make a rule. We won't talk about things like that. And then I'm like, okay. Things things about Jesus. Yeah. We just, you can still come visit us, but we just ain't going to get that. Basically saying we ain't going to get personal about like talk actually about him because and that just spoke louder to me it's like you know if we don't if we don't uh, speak his name in public he's also not going to speak ours well, what are some of the ways people can be praying for you as i listen to your testimony of what you're sharing well you're enslaved yeah. You were enslaved to a system man created. It very much sounds much like I, I, I've learned about the Pharisees in Scripture. Oh, yeah. Their, their, their intent was to do well and please the Lord, mm-hmm. but the laws got so nuanced that it wasn't 
attainable. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. possible. And, and and we know through Scripture, this is the very reason Christ has come is to yeah. fulfill the law. Mm-hmm. We have freedom in in Him, and and in this, I, I see these steps too, where with God's grace, in which He, the English Bible in your house, there's no coincidences in life. Right. These are things. God establishes to mm-hmm. to bring bring people unto Him, and mm-hmm. and and so I, I see I see this growth. I see this willingness to to now follow Him. And in many ways, you're up against a lot of resistance. Right. You know, there, there's many who are still enslaved and blind yep. to what the truth is. And so, moving forward, is there any particular burdens or or areas <clears throat> as you pursue Christ that you think, hey, I really want prayer over this? Go ahead. I would say. Prayer for me and my family would be the right timing. You know, it's not our timing. It's Scott's timing. Praying for perseverance and uh, knowing when it's our time. But, you know, it's I've seen it happen. It's I've tried to get in there with like one of the brothers or one or the other. It's not my timing. It's going to have to be. It might not be at home. It might be somewhere else. So, so timing to be a witness? Yeah. Back. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen it even through your people since I come here. All the people that I hung around with uh, when I was drinking and stuff, and all of a sudden here comes somebody to church now that twenty years ago was the last I seen him, and and I realized that it's nothing to do with me. All I can do is pray for these people, and it gets revealed in the circle. Yeah, I guess I would say. Pray for my family, the community, and there is, since we left, I think there's six couples, six families now out of there, and and the Lord's still working there. There's one of the oldest couples in my community still talks to me when we meet in Quick Trip and stuff, and he just don't understand what why it is the way it is there in the mission. You know, I guess my best way... Because I was I was in that same trap. I, I this is what I try to use to tell them is please just open it and look for yourself. It's just a whole different ball game once you go to the truth. Which another thing that really loudly got revealed to me when I was on the decision, like sitting on the fence, well, which way should we go? Uh, that's the that's where most people sit. I think is on the fence. That we didn't do, we're we don't go to church, but we're still not bad people, you know that sort of thing. And for me, a lot of people were in my community were waiting. They're like, this thing's gonna split open, then we can go freely. But they've clamped down so hard on it now that it seems like they can't let them open. So I just I told Verna, well. I'm not gonna wait until the eleventh hour. It it just the calling was like get out while you can. And Peter Miller, he goes to Harmony there, he started having Bible studies at his own house, Amish house. And he still lives there right with his wife's parents, but they started having Bible studies in their house Friday nights and the preachers found out, so they started shunning, kicking everybody out that goes to the Bible study. Which I think a lot of people thought that was so horrible, but I actually think that was good because right there, a lot of them quit common, but the true ones stayed. 
it was like, who wants the real thing will stay there, I think, or the ones that ran back to what the preachers told them to. I have a verse I want to leave with you. So this comes in at Mark chapter 8, verse 22. It's the blind man that's healed at Bethesda. Just listen to this. and It's similar to the situation taking place. God's drawing out many out of out of what God's giving sight to many who are are captive within this this false religion that you mm-hmm. described here today and it says this and they came to Bethesda and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village and when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him he asked him do you see anything and he looked up and said i see men but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. We, we see in this scenario a man that's blind. Mm-hmm. And, and in this text, this, this man cannot see on his own power. There, there's nothing he can do. He, he, could, he can make every rule under the sun. Lord, let me see because I'm going to obey this, 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 this all down the way. And yet he couldn't. He, he, there's no way. Right. But yet Christ touches him. And, and after he receives this touch, he, he sees in part, but not yet fully. Right. He, needs, he needs to be touched again by Christ. And, and, and it reminds me of, of what you were sharing where, where you, you, you could see in part. Right. This isn't right. There's more to Christ than, than what I'm being told within the bishop and the preachers. And yet, as you begin to seek this truth, there's, there's that, that, uh, the shunning, mm-hmm. the, the, the wall, I think it's the words you use. Mm-hmm. We, we just hit mm-hmm. this wall, but yet you see God's care and, and touch in your life where, where he begins to give you sight. The, the Bible, mm-hmm. your wife finds. Yeah. And, and yet you begin to read it and God reveals himself in this. And so we will be praying for you guys. I, like I say, we'll, We'll pray as well for, for your testimony, that your, your testimony goes forth. And, and, and be encouraged in this as well, that there, there's seasons there's seasons you'll, you'll face, which will be extremely mm-hmm. difficult, and, mm-hmm. and, and you've already gave witness to some of those as well. But the beauty is, is, is God is, is a God that is at work, and mm-hmm. His patience oftentimes is a great mystery to me. Sometimes, oh, yeah. you know, when you think of His patience, it's yeah. like, well, Lord, I'd do this much quicker, right. but He knows. <laughs> he knows best. And, yeah. And I don't mean that in any insult to the right. Lord whatsoever, but I think maybe it's a natural thing in some way when, when you experience God and he reveals himself to you in which there's no sight, you want others to see. Yeah. And yet it's not us that has the ability to make others see, but right. rather God himself who will, mm-hmm. who will touch them by his son, Jesus Christ. And thank you so much, Joe, for sharing. Yeah, well, I, I, I pray this will be a great encouragement to many. And yep. well, may the Lord bless you and your family. And and thanks, thanks for sharing with us. 